Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. His name is Jeffrey Morse, and he's traveled the world visiting exotic locations. He's been a sports diver and built successful careers in both the military and in commercial aviation. One day, this all changed. Jeffrey suffered a brain aneurysm, a dissected artery, and a paralysis causing spinal cord stroke. At the age of 49, Jeffrey was told he'd never walk again. He made it a vow that he would walk out of the hospital anyway. Six weeks later, he did just that. Jeffrey's journey has led him to embark on a new career as a flight instructor, an author, and a motivational speaker. Greetings, Jeffrey. Greetings, Dr. Allen. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Let's go back to this, this catastrophic event that happened. When did that occur? It began in June of 2012 uh, with a headache that uh, uh, made its way into a migraine headache. And the migraine was the worst migraine of my life. So I um, went to the family doctor and he immediately saw I was in trouble and had me transported to the emergency room of the hospital so they could take care of me. And that's when this catastrophic turn of events came on you probably were put on an mri or a cat scan immediately and and they looked inside your brain and there was this darn aneurysm that was causing a lot of problems yes actually it was quite interesting how that unfolded uh fate made it may have intervened there the uh emergency room doctor ordered a cat scan they sent me down for the scan, and I was photophobic at the time, couldn't handle light anymore. And when the uh, technician finished her work, she knelt down next to my ear and she said, I was told to only do one CAT scan of your head, and I decided to do one of your neck also because it just seemed appropriate. And thank God she did because the aneurysm and dissection of my right vertebral artery were at the base of my skull in the neck uh, photo that she took. So thankfully she did that, or more than likely I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Oh, wow. That, that is a bit of fate that went on there. She must have had some twinge, maybe from what the symptoms that you were having. I, I don't know uh, what caused all that, but I was so thankful that she did it. Uh, like I say, it just seemed like a, a uh, leap of faith or something with fate that uh, she chose to do that. And I was very thankful that she did. And I suppose you were immediately put into surgery? No, they uh, transported me from Mooresville, my hometown, about 25 miles south to uh, the Charlotte Medical Center. And a neurosurgical team took over 
and put me in neurosurgical ICU for 10 days, uh, one to observe me, but two to see if they could use medication to reduce the size of the aneurysm and not need to go down the road of um, surgery. Wow. And, and was it somewhat successful? No, they, uh, at the end of the 10 days, the uh, uh, lead surgeon came in to tell me that uh, the medication was not working. And my only other choice was surgery to correct. But I needed to know going in that I had less than a 25% chance of surviving the surgery. And I told him, well, you know, 25% is better than nothing. So let's do what we need to do uh, so we can see if I can survive this. When I woke up after the surgery, uh, hours later on a Monday morning, I very quickly realized I was paralyzed. I couldn't feel anything from my neck down. And the panic and everything else that came with that began. And the doctor came in sometime later to say the, su- surger- the surgery was successful, but I was paralyzed and more than likely I was never going to walk again for the rest of my life. Isn't that a crushing blow to get the success from the surgery that you're going to live, but now you're not going to be what you thought you'd be. I mean, you, you were a vibrant person. You were living a great life. You were going and doing what you dreamed to do. And here all of a sudden it changed. Yes. uh, It's an amazing thing when your independence has been taken away and you, you've led a healthy life up to this point as I did, and now I'm faced with this. But beyond the panic of what was and shock of what was happening at that moment, the first thing on my mind was, hey, you can still use everything from your neck up. You can see, you can breathe, you can talk, you can think. So now it's time to start figuring your way out of this. And the first dilemma that I came across was, there's no instruction book for this. So what do I do first, second, or third? And how do I start finding my way out of this? And I needed to start figuring out how I was going to build this mousetrap of mine to figure my way forward. But the other thing that I told the doctor when he spoke to me was I wasn't down and out and I would walk out of this hospital. And six weeks later, though it was ugly, I was still able to put one foot in front of the other, couldn't feel either of those feet or legs. Uh, but I was able to use a walker to make it out to the car. Wow, that, that's pretty amazing. You know, this is the the difficulty, I think, uh, and I, I'd like our listeners to realize, you know, there's a time in your life that all of a sudden something can happen that changes the course 180 degrees. It, life is uncertain, and, and the only thing that is certain is the uncertainty of it that life can change in a minute and literally change where it is. And and that's where you have to draw down on these deep, deep powers that are inside of you to really uh, turn it around and become something that draw on those so you can get to where you want to be. Absolutely. Yes. When I committed to what I was going to do, I told myself over and over, do this because you want to do it. Don't do it because you have to do it. Yeah, I think those are the key messages. You know, one of the themes of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, is it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. And and I think that's what people have to realize. 
that it doesn't really matter what goes on in your life. It's how you address it. It's how you, you make things moving forward. It's how you literally uh, take a blueprint and make it new again for you so that you can do as you want to do, not as you have to do. I couldn't agree more with everything you just said there. You have to figure out at some point that it's no longer important to embrace what you had or embrace the past. It's time now to look forward and move forward and embrace the future. You may have to do things differently, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But find your way forward through these hurdles that are facing you. Yes, and and literally life is going to throw hurdles at you. I don't care if you have the best life or the worst life. There is going to be hurdles that go on uh, that that are destined to change things. Um, Life is full of hurdles, and that's the only proof that we're really alive is these hurdles keep coming at us. Yeah, it's it's how you choose to face them. It's uh, it's very important that you figure out along your way through your recovery that your recovery isn't just physical, it's psychological. It's easy to find yourself becoming withdrawn and withdrawn away from family and society, but you have to become your own advocate and find your way through these hurdles so you can become re-engaged with your family, your friends, and everything society brings you. Those are some of the healing powers as well. So let's talk a little bit about the hurdles you went through next and how you got to where you are now. Oh, well, um, when I realized I was um, paralyzed, I started making lists of things that I wanted to do, goals. So goals were very important to me. I couldn't write, but I I had a mind I could store them in. And I also realized that I was very fortunate to have family and friends coming to visit each day. And in seeing the shock on their face that I was paralyzed, one of the next things I needed to do, not only for them, but me, was to get them happy and get them laughing about things, to get their mind off of the trauma that they were staring at. And if I could do that, that was the beginning of saying, hey, you still have something to give people. There's something there to offer. It may not be uh, that you're moving to be able to do that, but you still have a very creative mind and you have the ability to tell stories and make people happy again. So utilize that. There was a gentleman in the bed next to me that uh lost a leg below the knee and I was trying to uh, inspire him to get a prosthetic leg and get on with your life. Those things were important. So as I moved through the next few weeks and figuring out what it meant to stand again uh, through the help of the physical therapists, yes, I'm standing because of them, but I'm standing on two limbs that I can't feel. And I had to put out of my mind that I needed to feel to stand. So there were many leaps of faith along this journey that I needed to take to start moving myself forward. It wasn't instantaneous. It's taken years. And to this day, nine years later, I am still recovering. I'm still healing from this. 
Yeah. And I suspect that recovering is going to take a lifelong because because you're not in a state where you can do things perfectly, those muscles are going to start to atrophy. So you have to keep working at them to keep them going. And you're going to have to do things to keep things going. So it's not a simple, um, you know, I had a... I had the flu and I'm going to get over it. This is not, that's one of those things. Right. I found that um, one thing I've done throughout life is just jump right into the deep end of the pool. So six months after the surgery, I was still very weak, barely walking. And I promised my family I was going to be on uh, with them on a trip to Paris and I made that happen. I made my niece and nephew a promise. And although it was extremely difficult and painful, I made that trip happen. Four years after the event occurred, I took a trip by myself to Nepal for two weeks and set up a bunch of uh, uh, adrenaline rushing events to do. But that was living life for me. If I'm going to do all this uh, therapy, then what's the point of doing a therapy if I'm not going to live my life and take a pause every now and then and realize, hey, there's a great big world out there. Go go enjoy it. Find a place to go and go live your life and do these things that you've worked so hard to get back. So those things were very important. And then that sounds like a great set of goals that you set up and something that you did. And that's the other thing people have to do once they go through something is they have to set goals. They have to set things. Otherwise, it becomes, uh, you go through these phases where I, I say the phases of death and dying that Elizabeth Kubler-Rosso went through. You go through anger. You go through bargaining. You go through denial. You go through depression, and depression is probably the worst phase to go through because it robs you of all the things that you're trying to do. Uh, You start looking at the dark side of life. You can't eat, you can't sleep, and that depression, that darkness that comes over is a terrible thing. Did you go through that as well for a while? I did. I did on and off, and I I found it difficult at times. it was difficult when I came off all of my medication. Um, I was taking an antidepressant at that time, but it was time to move on. It was time to get away from all the medicine and the side effects of the medicine so I could progress and evolve back to where I needed to be. So, yes, I did go through the depression stages and I just found a way to keep myself busy and motivated uh, if it wasn't through the therapy that I was doing, it was uh, taking a drive up to the mountains just so I could find a place to go sit and journal and look out at the world and just turn everything else off. Those things were important to me. Well, I see that right now you are not paralyzed from the neck down anymore. You certainly have use of your arms. Do you have some use of your legs as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm walking unassisted. Uh, I still have um, uh, muscle weakness um, on the right side, uh, but I'm moving through it. And the one therapy that I've done through this that has given more to me than anything else has been the neuromuscular massage therapy that has consistently broken down the fascia that's uh, 
building and choking off my uh, uh, circulation through the nervous system. So that's made a huge impact on everything that I'm doing. Pilates has also been very important because that helps to work on all the small muscles instead of the large muscles. Uh, the small stability muscles have been uh, very important there too. Well, that's, that's, that's huge. And that's right. The, the other thing that's huge is you also had some career goals. You became a flight instructor as well. Let's talk about those a little bit. Well, I've, I've been in the air, um, the aviation industry for 40 years. Uh, after my military career, I began a uh, commercial career and, uh, two airlines later, the next thing I know, I'm putting together an entire training program for the airline. And I realized at that point that it was a calling. And as much as I loved flying and flying all over the world, I was finding a lot more with being able to give back to my profession with teaching. So I've been teaching for almost 25 years now. And um, in 2008, the second airline I was with uh, folded with the economic downturn during that time. And I thought it was time to go back to college and work on another degree. And lo and behold, the aneurysm and the paralysis occur. And three years after that, in 2015, I've got old friends calling to say, hey, uh, we're a part of a new startup airline and we need you to um, come down to Miami and help us put a training program together. And I, I told them, well, thank you, but let me tell you what's been going on with me. Why don't you guys sit and talk about whether or not you'd like me to come down? And if you say no, you're not hurting my feelings. So they called me back a few minutes later and said, look, all we need is your brain. If you need a wheelchair, we'll throw you in a wheelchair, but we really need you down here. So whatever you need, we're going to make that happen. We're your friends. We're here to stick by you. And uh, we want you down here right now. So that began yet one more airline. And all I did at that airline was teach. Five years later, I started realizing that it was becoming a little difficult to pack a bag each month to fly from North Carolina down to South Florida. And I decided to make a change. And uh, I now work at a small commuter airline teaching young people how to be an airline pilot for the first time. It's their first airline experience. So that really reinvigorated me to change what I was doing and now work with uh, young people coming into the airline industry for the first time. So giving back is very important to me. It's been important to me for my whole life. And giving back in this manner is equally important. I, I think giving is one of the best healing methods somebody could find. There, there's so much positive energy in giving back to others. And when you're going through a trauma, I couldn't suggest anything better than finding a way to give back to others. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think that's how I tried to communicate. I wrote a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life as a result of my diagnosis with ELS, Lou Gehrig's disease back in 2003. Uh, of course, that was an in, incorrect diagnosis, but still, 
the trauma that went on there, I still bear with me to this day as uh, the cataclysmic blow that it took. Uh, and oh yes, like that. It's it's not an easy one to uh, come from. But the as I say, it's not what happens to you; it's what you do with what happens. And you've also become a um, a motivational speaker as well. Let's talk about that a bit. Well, that's just starting to uh, kick off, um, and. Um... I'm looking forward to where that opens up into. And I I hope I can do more of that, especially with people dealing with traumas and figuring out how they're going to get through something. I I always enjoy speaking to people on social media about this. And it it's very important. I I talk to pilots at work that spend time in the military in Afghanistan and you, you look at the traumas that they went through with that. And it's funny how they, they find a calmness when we're talking and it's nice to see them open up. And it's, it's really great to just sit and listen as they open up to you. And I'm looking forward to seeing where all of that goes as I go forward, but it it sure does feel good to be able to give back in that manner as well. Yes, and I think that's important is the giving. Um, I, I think there's two things that are, are underestimated in their ability to change people. One is giving, and the second one is being grateful for everything. Those yes. Two are, are overlap a lot, but they're also exclusive in, in certain respects. The gratefulness that we have amounts to helping us to give more. And the giving more also allows us to be grateful more. I couldn't agree more. They they seem to go together like peanut butter and jelly. I'm uh, I'm grateful every day, not only for my life and the people in my life, but I'm grateful that if I want to go outside and just lay down in the backyard and look up at the sky and just be grateful for everything that I can see and hear, those things are important. If I want to go to a park and just sit and take things in and tune out all the static and the noise in my life. It feels good to be able to do that. When I did that from a wheelchair in the hospital, it was important to me then too. It doesn't matter where we're at or our condition. It's just finding a way to be able to do that and tune out the noise in our lives for a few minutes and just realize you're still alive. Be grateful for that. It's okay if you have to do things differently. And it's okay to tell yourself you're okay. Figure out how to do that. Figure out how to grow that smile again and let those things become muscle memory once again. And once you do, you you find you can, uh, through grace, you can let in gratitude and happiness and the good things in life. Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, If our audience would like to get in touch with you, how can they do so? They can reach me through my website, uh, which is uh, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, A, Morse, M-O-R-S-E dot com. Uh, Or they can reach me via social media at uh, Jeffrey A. Morse or Finding Forward, uh, which is the title of my book. They can reach me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter if they choose. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for coming here today and thank you for sharing with us. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Allen. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like this show, could you please say you liked it and also put some comments down so we can share it with some others so we can grow our, our followers even more. Thank you very much. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Oh, 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 o